0: If you guys got a Bible, you can open it up to Genesis 27. We're going to be on page 22 of these black Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you, guys. If you don't have a Bible, please take one of these home. It's one of the greatest gifts that anyone could ever give someone is the Word of God, and I love buying new Bibles. So, uh, we're going to be on page 22 in those black Bibles, Genesis 27. If you will, please stand with me and let's show reverence to God's Word as we read it together. As actually I read it. We're going to start in verse 18 of Genesis 27. I'm going to read 18 through the end. So hear now the Word of God. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from his presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, "Let my father rise and eat of my son's game that you may bless me." His father Isaac said to him, "Who are you?" He answered him, "I am your son, your firstborn Esau." Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, "Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it before you came, and I have blessed him." Yes And he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing." Then he said, "'Have you not reserved a blessing for me?' Isaac answered and said to Esau, "'Behold, I have made him lord over you, and also his brothers. I have given to him servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son?' Esau said to his father, "'Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father.' And Esau lifted up his voice and wept." Then Isaac his father answered him and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing of which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent him and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this familiar story. And Lord, I pray that at the heartbeat of this story, we see your scandalous grace. Lord, we thank you for this grace this morning because it's because of your grace, because of your unmerited favor, your blessing upon us that we can approach you right now and pray to you and you hear us. Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, your word says this is the day that you have made and Lord, we will rejoice and are glad in it. We rejoice because of your grace this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, go ahead and have a seat. Well, I don't know if you guys have noticed or smelled a difference of the sanctuary. Anyone in here? Smell a little bit like paint? Well, obviously, uh, our man Timmy had repainted the sanctuary. And so if you start, start, start seeing me get a little loopy up here, you know, uh, it's because I've been sniffing paint all week, right? And even this morning. So, Uh, But again, thanks for Tim. He did a great job in in serving our body, and we got great individuals that do that on a consistent basis here. So thank you, Tim, for serving us and painting this sanctuary. Genesis 27, we're going to go through 1 through 46, and I want to start off like, who in here loves to read biographies Or, or even watch biographies? I'm more of a watcher than a reader. Who loves to watch? Yeah, yeah, biographies, good. Um, I enjoyed it, and I think there's even a channel dedicated on cable or DirecTV, the A&E channel has a channel dedicated to biographies, and I love just, just sitting down and watching it. The, the biographies draw us in to individuals that, that we know something about, um, but it's always interesting to hear their whole story and how... How really the Lord has shaped and molded them and their circumstances to make them the people they are. And when we read the Bible, uh, and in particular, when we, we're going through Genesis, this narrative, when we see these stories of these individuals, Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Noah and Adam and Eve, and, and really what, what, what we're reading is their, their stories, their, their biographies. And we know that some of these chapters build faith. We see these men and women just walk with God and like, man, no, that's incredible faith. But then also we, we, we see like, oh, are you even a believer, right? With that action, do, do you even believe in the Lord God? And we, and we see this dichotomy between the two. And it caused me to pause and think, it's like, what if, what if someone wanted to write Aaron Santini's biography? What, what if someone wanted to write your biography? What kind of crazy chapters would I read about you? What kind of crazy chapters would you read about me? You'd read some crazy chapters to the point be like, I can't believe the Lord has chosen you to be a pastor, Aaron, right? Because most of you guys know me after I've known Jesus, not before pre Christ. Um, but here's the thing: it's the same with you. It's the same with you. And, and so, what is the? How can the Lord use me? How can the Lord use you? Well, it's wrapped up in one word: it's it's grace. The Lord can use us because of His grace that He bestows upon us. And this is what we're going to see in Genesis chapter 27. God's grace, as we've been going through the book of Genesis, really throughout the whole Bible, is one of the the threads, one of the main threads that, that, that puts and pulls all these stories together. We'll see today that there's a bunch of dysfunctional individuals in this story in Genesis chapter 7. And these dysfunctional individuals are part of a dysfunctional family. They come and live in a dysfunctional family. And it's in spite of this dysfunction that the Lord brings function, that the Lord brings uh, grace to us. And, And he writes these beautiful stories that end up being beautiful stories of faith about Isaac's life, Jacob's life, Rebekah's life, and, and our life. And that's what we're going to see this morning. And so let's dive right in. First, we see in Genesis 27, verses 1 through 4, we see a dysfunctional Isaac, a dysfunctional Isaac. Look at verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said, "'My son!' And he answered, "'Here am I, Dad!' He said, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me my delicious food, such as I love. And bring it to me, so that, this purpose, that I may eat and my soul may bless you before I die. And so what we see here is Jacob is old. He's probably about, commentators think about 130 to 140 years old. They take a couple of dates and ages and kind of put it together. So he's an old man. He's 130 plus years old. And um, he, he knows he's coming to death. His, his, his brother Ishmael died about 137. So he's like, man, I'm, I'm in this age group that my brother died. So maybe I'm about to die. So he says, I got to bless my son. I got to pass the blessing on to my son. And we've seen this throughout the book of Genesis, in particular starting in Genesis 12, that we see that God has narrowed down his chosen people to this family tree of Abraham. And every generation from Abraham is going to have this new covenant blessing over an individual to lead the family. And again, usually back then it would be with the older son, but God in Genesis chapter 25 says it's going to actually go to the younger son, Jacob, and not Esau. But Jacob, I'm sorry, but Isaac favors Esau. He knows about the prophecy, but he secretly wants to bless his son Esau. We say secretly because when the patriarch of the family would pass on the blessing to the son, it would be a celebration. It would be a big deal. But here we see he doesn't even talk to his wife, Rebecca. He's not calling a family meeting. He's saying, hey, son, go hunt, get some game, come back, kill it, we'll have a meal, and then I'm going to bless you. So here we see the dysfunction of Isaac is that he disregards the Lord. He disregards the Lord's plan. And so what we see here is that not only is Isaac more, more than Isaac is physically blind, he's also blinded by his favoritism to his son Esau. And rejecting is clouding his judgment to the point of, again, rebelling against the Lord's very will. He's going to put Esau, he wants to put Esau in charge of the family. As we know that Esau is more of the man's man, unlike David. We saw that a couple weeks ago. That he's so blinded by his favoritism that he overlooks Esau's dysfunction. He, we, we see that the, the Bible actually in Hebrews says Uh, Esau is an unholy man in in Hebrews chapter 12. We've seen that Esau is ruled by his passions. He's a a man that lives in the moment. He doesn't make good decisions as we saw in Genesis 25 when he gives away his birthright uh, over a bowl of soup. And so he he overlooks that. He also overlooks at the end of Genesis 27, if you look back and look at verse 34, it says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judah the daughter of, uh, of Ben the Hittite to be his wife, and then he took another Hittite to be his wife. So not only did he not just have one wife, he had two wives, but then he also disobeyed the, 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 the command to uh, keep marriage hidden within your own clan, that he went outside and married these two Hittite women. And we remember in 24 that, that when Abraham was picking Isaac, wife, he was adamant, you, she has to be from our own clan, because we have the same world, we worship the same God, and he doesn't want the covenant blessing to be um, fall fall off. So we see that Isaac is dysfunctional. He rebels against the, the Lord's plan. As a father, he shows favoritism towards Esau. And that takes us to uh, the next person, dysfunctional Rebekah. Look at verse 4. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So yeah. So we have Rebecca. She's not in the conversation. She's just eavesdropping on this conversation between father and son. And I could see, I could see Rebecca like say in her mind and her heart, I could see her say something like, Oh, no, you didn't, Esau. I mean, right, Isaac. No, no, you didn't, Isaac, right? I know you're just not making this plan and coming up underneath me. You know that the Lord said Esau will serve Jacob. And she said, I'm going to make sure of this. So you, you moms in here know, What's happened in Rebecca's heart? Mama Bear is coming out a little bit with Rebecca, right? Uh, no one's going to cheat my boy. No one's going to cheat my son. I'm, and even if it's Isaac, I'm going to make sure that my son Jacob gets the blessing. Uh, I, I love to see moms go into Mama Bear mode. I love when my wife goes into mama bear mode. She went to mama bear mode uh this past week. Uh one of our our, our daughters had a little issue and, and she was going to protect uh, little Madison. I mean she went into grizzly bear mode almost on this person, almost mauled this person, right? Uh but that's not what this is talking about. That's good when when a mom wants to protect her son, but this is dysfunctional, mama bear. Uh, this is sinful, Mama Bear. And we see it in three real quick ways. Uh, up until this point, Rebecca's been uh, seen in a positive light, right? Uh, we see that she's a hard worker. We, we, we see that she, she worships the Lord. She's a, she's a woman of prayer. But here we get to see the other chapter where we get to see like, ooh, she's, she's got a little dysfunction of herself. One we see, she favors one son over the other. Uh, that's not good parenting. There's dysfunction in that. And then we see that she's going to actually put her son in harm's way. Even though she loves Jacob, she's going to put him in harm's way where he possibly might even get a curse if he's found out. Secondly, we see that uh, she's usurping her husband's leadership and authority. And thirdly, and most importantly, she's not trusting the Lord. Uh, The Lord spoke to her in Genesis 25 about, yes, the younger Jacob will be served by the older Esau and, but she's not waiting on the Lord. She's taking matters into her own hands. And so we can see the dysfunction here. And that takes us to verse 11. Uh, there's an elephant in the room. Look at verse 11. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, uh, behold, my brother Esau is a very hairy man, and I'm what? I'm a smooth man, right? So again, we see this contrast. And It says, perhaps my father will feel me Uh, and figure out the deception, and I shall seem to be mocking or deceiving him and bringing a curse upon myself and not being a blessing. Uh, Jacob says, Mom, there's there's a massive difference between my brother Esau and myself. Esau, you know, he says he more looks like Chewbacca, more like Luke Skywalker, right? And if Daddy touches me, he's going to know the difference, and it's not going to go well for me. And what's interesting is look at verse 12. What Jacob is concerned about, he says, I shall seem to be deceiving him. Seem? He's more worried about the perception than the reality of his dysfunctional heart. He's not worried about deceiving his father. He's worried about being found out and that his father will think he's going to be a deceiver and a liar. Well, Jacob, you're already a deceiver and a liar. So isn't it interesting that he's more worried about the fact that he seems to be a deceiver, but he really is one at heart? And this is a great practical point for us, is that there's no such thing as a lie that doesn't make you a liar. There's no such thing as deception that doesn't make you a deceiver. One said this, a little lie or a little deception is like a little pregnancy, right? Uh, You may not notice it at first, but in time it will show. And this is what we see here. So we see that Jacob is a liar and a deceiver, but notice again we're looking at the dysfunction of Rebecca, and and he's who's he learning from? Who's he learning it's okay to lie and deceive? He learns it from the mastermind herself, his mom. And we see in verse thirteen, his mother said to him, "Let the curse be on me. So if you if you do get found out, just move and I'll, and I'll take the curse." But he says, "Obey only, obey my voice, and go and bring them to me." Now here's the catch how old is Jacob? Jacob is 70 years old in this narrative. He's an old man and his mommy is still directing his life. This is how dysfunctional this family is. If you're 70 years old and you're still living with your mom and dad, you got issues, man, right? I mean, there's dysfunction all over this family. So Rebecca comes up with this plan, dresses up Jacob to the point of taking goat's hair and putting it on his hands and on the back of his neck to trick Isaac. So that's the dysfunction of Rebecca. Third, we see the dysfunction of Jacob in verses 18 through 29. Jacob agrees. He obeys his mom at 70 years old. He gets all dressed up in Esau's clothes and she, again, puts the hair on his hands and the back of his neck. And Isaac is suspicious right off the bat. Look. And he tests him there's like five tests in the way Jacob tests him. And his first test is, is who are you? Jacob, who are you? And Jacob, Jacob lies. And this is a simple test. As far thinks surely whoever is in front of me, because he's blind, he can't see him, is I ask him a question. I'm the patriarch. I run this ship. No one's going to lie to me. So I'm just going to ask a simple question. Who are you? But Jacob lies and he says, I'm Esau. He pretends to be someone he's not. The second test, it says, well, how did you find the game so quickly? So we see the suspicion on Isaac, and, and look at Jacob's reply. The Lord granted me success. Wow. That should, that should just hit you right between the eyes. You see, this is what happens when we tend to lie. It just tends to, again, it grows like a pregnancy. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes, to save face, will bring the Lord's name into our lie, right? This is what Jacob does. You know what we call this? We call this breaking the third commandment. What's the third commandment? Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. That's what he's doing right here. A lot of times when we think about the third commandment, taking the Lord's name in vain is just cussing, right? And yes, that's it. But uh, the better definition is this, never take the Lord's name lightly on your lips, Yes, the Lord is our friend. Yes, He's our He's our Savior, but He is the Holy Sovereign God of the universe to be revered, to be respected, to be honored. I remember when I was a, a young Christian, I just came to to know the Lord, and 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 I was just kind of following the models of those around me, and, and I constantly heard people say, "Hey, man, God bless you." I heard say, "Man, that's awesome, man. The Lord is 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 great." Um, Um, bless the name of the Lord, uh, praise the Lord. These, these things that would just roll off people's tongue. And this, this older gentleman who was discipling me, he actually kind of rebuked me because I was saying it just, it was just rolling off my thing like Christian ease. And he said, Aaron, man, it's awesome if you want to say that. It's awesome if you want to say, hey, man, you hear something, man, praise the Lord or, you know, bless his name. But make sure when you say it, you mean it. And he was just teaching me a, a valuable lesson of, of who the Lord is. And, and what it talks about in the third commandment, honoring Him and honoring His name, that we don't want to uh, just just throw around these these sayings, so it, so the Lord's name loses its honor, its its power, its gravity. So it's great if you want to say that, just 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 mean it. And one thing, especially in this case, don't ever use it for your own agenda. Uh, that's what Jacob did here. He used it to become more like a, a, a weight. Well, the Lord. And then whenever we put the Lord, we bring the Lord into something. It's like, oh, you know, that's like the, the exclamation point. I remember doing when I was doing more more college ministry with FCA, and and uh, every now and then we would get we would get these guys that would get a vision from the Lord and come up to one of the ladies in our our ministry, and it's like the Lord told me that I'm you're to marry me, right? In fact, did any any ladies in here ever have a dude come up and say that to them? Go ahead and raise your hand. Anyone? Okay? And so we would talk, and um, my counsel would be just run from that guy as fast as far as you can, right? Because has the Lord told you anything? No. Okay, then run. Have you ever talked to this guy? No. Okay, then run, right? But we see people just use the names Lord to uh, use the name, the Lord's name, to just, again, put an exclamation point, and what? To validate some of their sinful decisions or passions, and we see the same thing here. So again, the second test is, is how, 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 how quickly did you find the game? Third, we see this. Isaac, again, I mean, knows that something's up. Uh, but he, since he can't see, he, he wants to, to use his other senses, so he wants to feel him. Look at verse 21. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are my son, Esau or not. And this, and this phrase right here is key. The voice is Jacob's voice, But the hands are the hands of Esau. Now, we we could dive into this little sub-point of this text, but let me just just highlight this real quick. This situation, uh, Isaac's deception would have been done right there if he would just believe the word of Jacob, right? The words of Jacob, and not what he could feel. And that's just a great little point for us, is that... uh, the word of the, the word of the Lord, the Bible, the scripture, God's spoken word will keep us on the straight and narrow path where sometimes our feelings can deceive us of making a bad decision. If, if Jacob just would have, I'm sorry, if um, Isaac would have just went with what he heard, Jacob's words and believed on them, this would have been done. He wouldn't have been deceived. But he chose to go with, again, his feelings. Psalm 119 says, "A lamp, uh, The word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so that's just a good reminder for us this morning that where God's word speaks, that's where we make our life decisions. And where our emotions, our feelings, our passions go and take us away from God's word, then we know we're getting into dangerous ground. Passions and emotions are good. But they must line up with God's word. So that's just a great little practical point. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are Esau's hands. The fourth test, again, he just says, are you really my son? He says, I am. Then we see the fifth test. The final test is the, the smell test. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and he kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. Again, we remember that Esau was an outdoorsman. He was always out hunting and gathering. He, he lived outdoors and he had a very distinct odor, right a very distinct smell. There was not a lot of Irish spring body wash back in those days where he was cleaning himself up and and we all we, we kind of know this right um, when we go camping and we 're out there for three, four, five days, and we can 't bathe, we all kind of smell a little different don 't we uh, a little a little a little raunchy. Well, Jacob didn't go out much. So, you know, Esau would smell like, you know, bad, and, and Jacob would smell like Ralph Lauren, right? I mean, he would just be, he, he would smell good. And this tricked him because he was all dressed up in Esau's clothes and he had the smell of Esau on him. Jacob smells him. He passed the test, and we see that he blesses him. Then Jacob receives the blessing from Isaac. He says this, and Isaac. Smells the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son, the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. And we see this blessing in, in three parts, starting in verse 28. Um, first, we see this land blessing, this this fruitfulness of the land blessing. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. So that's kind of the land blessing. And, and see if these. these these blessings remind you of something else. In verse 29 it says, Let the people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers so that your mother's sons may be down, bow down to you. Here we have like the national, the nation's blessing. And then the last one is, Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And here we have the relationship blessing. Do they sound familiar? These, are, these echo what we heard God bless Abraham with in Genesis 12 so when we get the same blessing passing down from generation to generation, we also get the fulfillment of the prophecy here that the covenant blessing is now being given to the next generational leader, and that is Jacob, the younger, and not Esau, the older. And then finally, quickly, we'll look at the dysfunctional Esau. Dysfunctional Esau. We see this in verses 30 through 41. Verse 30 says, As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from hunting. So Jacob gets the blessing after, and he bolts. As soon as Abraham, I mean, as soon as um, Isaac is done blessing him, he is he is out of dodge. He runs. And all of a sudden Esau comes in on the heels, and Esau comes in how? Happy and joyful. You know, he's, he's obeyed his father. The, the blessing that he's been waiting for is, is finally going to come for him to take over and, and rule and run the family. But those feelings change in a hurry. And, and we read that, as we just read, that, that Isaac blessed the wrong guy, at least according to, to their understanding. But in the Lord's plans, he blessed the right son. And it's at this moment, Isaac Isaac figured out what's going on. It dawns on him. Verse 33. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came. And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. I believe at this point, this is where Isaac feels the conviction of his dysfunction, of his rebellion. How he's been fighting against the Lord, and instead of blessing his younger son Jacob, that he was wanted to bless his older son Esau, and it's here that he recognizes and believes that even though he was deceived, the right decision was made, and he was not going to rescind that blessing on Jacob. He says, "Yes, and he shall be blessed. It is as I said it would be." And here we see that Isaac in Hebrews chapter eleven is a part of the Hall of Faith, where he says he blessed Jacob. He's always part of the hall of faith. But we go back to Esau because this is about the dysfunction of Esau. Esau, the man's man, starts to weep like a baby. And again, he is 70 years old. He's an older man. He cries out because he wants his own blessing. And he does get a blessing, but it's the exact opposite. He says, you and your people are going to serve and struggle your whole life. And then we saw all of a sudden we see Esau's temperament change quickly. His sadness is turned to what? Fierce anger, vengeance. That Jacob, he's rightly named, he deceived me twice, and really it was once, because he, he, he himself you know, gave away his own birthright. But it's twice, he's rightly named a deceiver, one who trips up. And he says, I will kill him as soon as my father dies. So we see the true character of Esau comes out his unholiness to kill his brother. And then verse 42, the word gets out to Rebecca, and she tells her son to again obey her voice and sends him away to her crazy brother Laban. And so he obeys. And what's so sad about this is we look at this dysfunctional family and all these family members that don't trust each other, everyone looking out for their own gain. And, 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 the, and, the, and the highlight is that of Rebecca. She's again the mastermind, the orchestrator of this. She's trying desperately to get her son, the younger son, the one that she favors, blessed. And the sad part of this story is that the apple of her eye, the one she can't live without, the one that just has the blessing, she sends him away. And this will be the last time that she ever sees her son, Jacob, again. He is sent away, and for 20 plus years he lives away. And by the time he comes back, Rebecca is is dead, and they don't see each other ever again. So we see that there's there's consequences to sin. There's, there's consequences of walking in this rebellion, but that's not the end of the story. Because out of all this dysfunction, this takes us to our final point. This dysfunction is overruled by functional grace. This dysfunction is overruled by functional grace. You see, the heartbeat of this story is, again, this family is dysfunctional at so many levels. Rebellious, sinful. And we clearly see that the blessing isn't given to Jacob because he's morally superior to his brother Esau, right? In fact, if we read the story, we think that Esau is a better man than his son Jacob. Jacob is actually the worst of sinners in this narrative. And in fact, out of all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob doesn't have too many good chapters in the Bible, Abraham, we see, we, have, we see some great moments of him walking by faith. we always to see him fall. Isaac, for the most part, we see him uh, as a man that worships the Lord and follows him, and not too many negative chapters about him. but Jacob, we see that. Like this is the constant of this guy's life. He's constantly rebelling. He is the worst of sinners in this story, and yet, the Lord chooses him to be the one who, who, who gets the covenant blessing. This is what we call scandalous grace. This is grace. C.S. Lewis was at a British conference on comparative religion, and, and guys were arguing about what, what, what is unique about Christianity compared to all the other religions. Is it the resurrection? Is it the virgin birth? Uh, what's so unique? And they were arguing amongst themselves, and, and C.S. Lewis wasn't in this argument, and then he kind of walked by, and he's like, man, what are you guys you know, arguing about so loudly and again, they said, we're just discussing the uniqueness of the unique contribution of Christianity among the world's religion. And Lewis said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. That's what separates Christianity from all of the religious thoughts out there. As we know, grace is God's unmerited favor. It's something that we can't earn or buy. It's, it's given to us from outside of us. Uh, when Grudem uh, says this, it's God's goodness towards uh, those who only deserve judgment. That's what grace is. So those that us, me and you, that only deserve judgment and wrath and punishment, get God's goodness, get His love, get His mercy, get His blessing. And again, in all prevailing religions, this is the thought, is this, and other secular discourses that good people are in, good people get the blessing, and bad people are out. Bad people don't get the blessing. You think of the, the Buddhist. If, if, if I follow the, the eightfold path, then I will get blessed. I will ha- build up enough karma to be blessed. If you're a Muslim, if I just practice the five pillars, uh, I will be blessed. If you're a if you're Jew, if I, if I obey the Ten Commandments, I, I will receive the blessing. Secular religion, uh, whatever you believe is fine as long as you don't tell me what to believe. If that's what you believe, then you will be blessed. So what's the theme out of all these religions? Is We can boil it down as people who do good, whatever the good measurement is, that whatever definition of good you pour into it, will be blessed. And bad people, what again, whatever bad is, will not be blessed. And Genesis chapter 27, and really the rest of the Bible, says the exact opposite. It's a completely different story. It says this, Christianity alone says this, good people are out. Good people don't get the blessing. Bad people get the blessing. Bad people are in. Because thinking that you're good and you have something to offer God towards salvation and blessing, one says this, is actually the most vile kind of evil because there are truly no good people. Right, We know the Scripture in Romans says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We also know it says that no one seeks, no one is righteous, no, not even one. We are all bad people. And Christianity says it's, it's, it's Christians, it's those who are saved, those who receive the blessing are those who acknowledge that fact, that I'm bad. I have nothing to offer. There's no good in me. I am a dysfunctional person at the heart. But God saves me, not because of what I do or what I don't do, because of what Christ has done for us. That's, the, that's, that's grace. That's good news. That's gospel. Bad people are in because bad people like you and me, we lean on Jesus, the only one who was good, the one that lived the perfect life in our place, who obeyed God's commandments perfectly perfectly the one who died on the cross for sin, who paid the judgment that you and I should have paid, and the one who rose again from the dead. Christians are those who acknowledge and believe. That's what separates Christianity from other religions. The thought is grace, is grace. So if you are in Christ this morning, you're a Christian because you believe this truth. You're a Christian because you are bathed in the grace of God. And this is incredible news for everyone in here because we all know our own biographies, right? I, I don't know your full biography. You don't know my full biography. You might know some bad things about me, but you don't know all the bad things about me and vice versa. But here's the thing. Even in our good deeds, our good deeds are tainted with pride. You know, I, I, every now and then, you know, I, I think I share this with you guys before Is is like, you know before church or something you you might see me out picking up trash around the, the 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 air the facility here and and like, oh wow, Aaron you know and and part of me wants to keep this place clean and you know, but you know if I see someone coming in this little car, I'm a little bit slower to pick up that piece of trash, you know it's like why because I want people to say like, "Oh, look at Aaron, what a good dude man, right even my good deeds are are tainted, and so are yours." But the good news about grace is we don't have to hide that. That's the good news about the gospel. The good news about grace is that we we know each other. We know we have some good days and some bad days. I love that song. I'm just going off memory here, but I think it's by Dirks Bentley. Now, I just started listening to country music in the last couple years. Um, but Burning Man, anyone know that song, Burning Man? And he talks about this contrast. He's like, man, there's days that I'm a... I'm following the scriptures, and there's days I'm living in the flesh, right? There's days, and he just talks about this contrast, this war that goes into his heart, that he has good days and he has bad days. This is the good news about God's grace, is that we are all proof that no one is beyond God's reach. No one is beyond God's reach of grace. If anything, God's grace reaches to the unsuspecting and unsuspected, and that's you and that's me. And that's what this story is all about. As we look at Jacob, and as we look at Isaac, and we look at Esau, and we look at Rebekah, and we see how all this dysfunction, we still see the Lord bestow grace, this unmerited favor, this blessing that they do not deserve. None of these people in here deserve this blessing. And yet because of God's grace, they receive it. I should have had Cole have us sing Amazing Grace this morning. In the line it says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. What I want you and I to walk out of this uh, message there is, is grace sweet to you? Grace can be like us talking about saying, like God bless you or praise the Lord, right? It could be a word that we just say flippantly. We're so familiar with it. And I want us to pause this morning and just and just focus on that word grace. Is it a sweet sound to you this morning? Uh, do, do you recognize Do I recognize, like, good people aren't in. It's the bad people that get the blessing. And it's all because of God's grace. So let's leave with this last line of amazing grace, or the first line of amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. May we walk in the grace of the Lord this week, and for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story. Lord, there's a lot, there's a, a lot of great principles that we could pour out of this story, and we pulled out some. And um, Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Um, follow the word of the Lord, and don't let our emotions take us off track. If we lie, we're liars. But the overarching theme about this story is, You bless us because you are gracious. You are a gracious God, and that's what separates our Lord, our faith from all the faith and secular thoughts out there. And may we embrace that. May we walk in that. Some of us in here need to hear the story of grace because we are beating ourselves up because of what we did last night. We failed again in this area. And we just need to hear God loves you, and he loves you because of what his son has done for you. And if you are in Christ, you are no longer seen as a sinner, but you are a saint. And for those that haven't bowed their knee and repented of their sins and trusted him and, and felt the, the cleansing flood of grace, Lord, I, pre, I pray today they would, they would feel that. They would walk in that. They would be able to acknowledge that, yes, I am a failure. There are a lot of black marks in my biography, and I can't fix them, but God's grace can. So you flood their heart this morning with God's grace. And then may we be a dispensary of grace to those where we live, work, and play, to our friends, to our family members. Let grace drive us so that we can be a blessing to those who don't deserve it because ultimately you've blessed us who doesn't deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.